Welcome to the Gauteng Wholesale and Retail Seater Leadership Chairs podcast. Hosted at the University of Johannesburg's Department of Marketing Management, we have conversations with wholesalers, retailers, and industry experts from South Africa and around the world. We also speak with renowned researchers so that we can provide you with information that promotes excellence and advances the retail industry. Okay, welcome to the Wholesale and Retail Seater Leadership Chair podcast. I'm Dr. Beate Stiedemilde, your host and the Leadership Chair for the Wholesale and Retail Seater Gauteng. Joining me today is Mr. Sandile Maseko, part of the Leadership Chair. Sandile. Hi, I'm Sandile. I form part of the Wholesale and Retail Leadership Team. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Today's discussion is around youth unemployment and the role of the retail sector in addressing some of these challenges. With us today to unpack this topic is Mr. Sean Fisser and Mr. Grant Euster. Sean is currently the Managing Director of Patopede Holdings, Patopede meaning people first in situ. Sean has 38 years experience in the fast-moving goods environment, starting his career at Checkers back in 1981. Sean has managed the Nesne Inland account for 15 years as a dedicated structure and he has extensive experience across all channels within the fast-moving consumer goods industry. Grant Yester is the Human Resources Director at Batopede and has 33 years experience in human resources, starting his career in 1986 at the South African breweries in East London, Cashbold, Barlow's, Group 5 and Multichoice. Grant has also project managed several learnerships, internships with the Services CETA, the Wholesale and Retail CETA, the SAS CETA and FP&M CETA. And he is an accredited reality check econometric practitioner. Very interesting. Grant and Sean, welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. This is Grant and I look forward to sharing information with the audience. <laughs> Great. Um, so, Grant and Sean, we are all aware of the youth unemployment challenges in the country, but give us some context in terms of your perspectives of youth unemployment in South Africa. Yeah, you know, within our sector, we are one of the biggest employment sectors in, in South Africa. And uh, when we established this business, uh, myself and Grant, three years ago, uh, looked at, you know, how do we plow back into youth and uh, we made a concerted effort then um, only to employ youth. So about 90% of our 700 employees in our business is youth. And, um, you know, we consistently look and look at who we can deal with and work with to uplift youth in the country. And can you share one or two stories with us of youth that you've dealt with at Bathopele, just to provide us with a bit more context of these people's lives and their challenges so that we can understand? Yeah, when we um, bring the youth into the business, we find it astonishing that, uh, you know, when we start bringing in youth at the age of 24s and 25s, these are youth and kids that uh, have never worked before. And that, that really is six years uh, later where they've left school. And just the opportunities out there is, is, is not enough, the opportunities for them to, to come into the industry. Um, so, you know, when we bring the, the, the kids in, just to see that joy in their faces, knowing that uh, you know they now have a full-time job. Um, you know, each person you bring in, you know, virtually feeds off eight family members, so you add value to those families as well. And uh, we also have a system within our business where we only employ and promote from within. So when they come in and we put them through these projects and programs. Yeah, we envisage to uh, employ m most of them at the end of the program or at least top qualified 
members, but um, a lot of uh, successes we've had in the past is we brought in youth, and uh, some of them are now heading up uh, businesses, um, they senior managers and companies, and you know that for us is the feather in the cap is you know to be able to at our age plough back for youth plough back into the country, and for these kids to come out and you know have a stable income um, in senior management positions in other businesses. And I think that's what those feathers in the cap, and I think that's why we do what we do is to see those those wins at the end of the programs. Just to elaborate a bit further from a Barupile perspective, we had a. One of our um, employees up in uh, Limpopo, he started with a company sli- slightly older, um, so he had experience in the field, and uh, he's now one of our field sales managers. So from a sort of a, a temporary environment, and he, he showed his worth, and um, he's now appointed as a field sales manager. So, you know, it's easy to say what we do, but we need to do what we say. Um, so we did take him and promote him into a managing position. I mean, Sean and I have had history uh, for a long time in the sector and just to indicate that we do try and look at the gems, the guys that are committed, and we want to keep them and promote them and uh, and give them assistance to really change their lives. So I think that's what we stand for and uh, we do our best to achieve that. And if you had to um, provide the youth with advice, I mean, who, what is the profile of the typical person that falls out of your program? What kind of attitude are we looking at there? I think I'll, I'll feel that one being in human resources. I think the challenge facing the youth today is a number of a number of areas, and I think there's macroeconomic factors that affect the youth today, and then there's the, the, the micro, and that's really the millennials. I think the millennial youth has a different perspective on life. Um, they generally, and I'm talking very generally, there's a lack of patience, some of them have a lack of perseverance and really understanding the real world. And I think there should be a massive drive uh, within South Africa and within the sector to do work readiness uh, programs uh, because I think there's a misunderstanding of what work is. And being a millennial, all information is at your fingertips. You tend to want to fast track things, but the real world doesn't work like that. Those that fall off the program, I think we might have failed them in the sense that we we didn't give them the reality of the of business and of work, and we we may at times sort of gloss over those hard points. Uh, but business is business, and working in the retail sector is hugely challenging. Customer service, there's demand on on the businesses, and some of the youth come in. Their intentions are to stay, but they don't. And there's a number of reasons we we try and get access to them to do exit interviews, but it's very difficult. But um, I think the youth, if any advice for the youth, be patient, be persistent, persevere and finish the programs. It's one year in your life. I think there's, John C. Maxwell says, success is uphill up all the way. So I think there's just that, that hardening up and making it a commitment to see it through. Um, lacks in some of the youth, majority are amazing, but there are those few that fall out and don't really see the long game. A year is not a long time, but they tend to fall out thinking, this is not for me, but they don't understand, you know, they need to stay in the game to, to really get traction.
And Sean was mentioning earlier that, you know, the retail sector is incredibly huge. So there's a lot of opportunity, obviously, to provide employment. But what is your opinion of how the youth perceives the retail sector? You know, it's very difficult to put your finger on it. At the end of the day, the opportunities within the retail sector is vast. And what we try and give them is an opportunity to rub shoulders with the industry and, and what that might look like. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to put your finger on. Um, and as Grant says, it is that persistency has come in, tough it out. And I think that's the word I always use with, with, with the youth is to come in and tough it out. Nothing in life is easy. But it's those ones, and we've seen the pearlers that comes out at the end of the program. It's those ones that uh, they're at the classrooms, they're at, at the workplace, they, and they toughen it out. Those are the ones that uh, in, invariably in life uh, will succeed. Um, so it's very difficult to put your finger on a, on a specific topic on, on that. Okay. And what would be your advice to retailers in addressing the youth unemployment challenge? Yeah, I think if we, as as an industry, don't stand together, and and we've had meetings with every single avenue within the sector, and how do we, how do we now stand together in 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 in, in enhancing those opportunities because those opportunities are there, and what is what is the industry doing to uplift these the, the youth? I mean, we've we've been talking to uh, Tivit colleges, we in uh, uh, talks with. Um, in NGOs and NPOs and you know we can talk to everybody or anybody that is prepared to come to come hand, uh, hold hands with us in funding youth into into the sector. So the sector is is a huge sector. So the amount of youth we can bring into the sector is is, is vast. Um, but it is how do we work together with the sector to get these youth um, off off in, into 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 jobs? But more importantly, is to give them that hope. Um, that you know, I am getting up and I have got a job, and there's hope, and there's you know, there's, there's there is a bit of a light light at the end of the tunnel. But it, it is industry to to now sit together and say, how do we do things differently? Because we can't continue doing the way we've done it in the last twenty years. There's been a huge shift in unemployment, huge shift in youth unemployment, and what are we doing as industry differently than what we did a year ago? Yeah, what we're doing definitely. And I'm wondering, you know, becoming a doctor, becoming a lawyer, that's aspirational. You don't necessarily hear someone saying, I want to be in retail. <laughs> Why do you think that is? I think if I can just answer that, I think, you know, people say I want to be a doctor and be a lawyer. They've got a perception of what that is. And uh, I think if you understood what doctors have to go through, um, you might change your idea because, you know, at the end of the day, the youth, most youth that we're working with are, have been unemployed and having a tough time at home. So what is the motivation? I mean, unless you understand the industry um, and, and you have those sort of expos where industries can present themselves, and I think the sectors and, and even the National Skills Fund should uh, fund the um, almost like a, a workplace expo where... All the sectors, service CETA, wholesale, retail CETA, SAS CETA, all the CETAs can get together or the sectors can get together and just give the, give the youth and unemployed a sense of what that is about and, and opportunities within the sector. I mean, I can send you a list and say you started a merchandiser, from there you become a team leader, team leader becomes a supervisor, a manager into the sectors buying. There's 
I mean, there's butchery, there's, I mean, there's a thousand different areas that you can work in. But unfortunately, we may be failing our youth where we're not giving them access to information on the sector um, or any other sector for that matter. Um, they're those youth that want to be entrepreneurs. What do they know about entrepreneurship and running a business? Maybe very little, uh, but there's an aspiration to do that. So, you know, I think maybe we need to, and just feeding off what Sean said, we should put a expo together. I mean, we haven't had that for a long time. And in that way, bringing the youth in to explain what the sector is all about. And I think that may assist them um, to say it's not a, a menial job to say you're starting in retail. There's huge opportunities. And some people haven't got the capacity to be doctors. Um, so, you know, it's almost if you're going to be a bricklayer, be the best you can be. And that's a, a fantastic occupation. So in my opinion, there's no demeaning occupation. Um and maybe the youth feel that to be a doctor is is like the thing to be, or a lawyer, or. Uh, but you know, there's people that serve our communities as teachers, which are admirable and it's amazing. So, I think there's that misunderstanding of what the sector is that we may need to um, educate them and have an expo of some nature. Yes, I definitely see a recurring theme coming out here. Um, in one of our other podcasts, we um, speak to Mr. Manfred Marke, and he basically discussed his journey in the retail sector, and he started out as a cashier. That's definitely a podcast our listeners can tune into. But the same information basically came out is the fact that he saw an opportunity to go from cashier to basically a trainee manager, etc., and he worked his way up today having an MBA. And the bottom line is that the people are just not educated on the career paths you can follow and just on how incredibly large the retail structure is and how many areas you can move into. So I think that um, really is something that needs to be addressed in more ways um, than just an expo. I think there's a lot um, that can be done from a university level, um, from a study level, obviously the CETA, um, but it's something that's, that's really coming out. And my other question is that there's a lot of talk about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship. So essentially, if you are working at a retailer, you are employed. So where does this whole becoming an entrepreneur thing, how can the retail sector help you to learn some sort of entrepreneurial skills or to become an entrepreneur one day? Well, I think from a, from a learning perspective, there's the new venture creation programs. I think they sit under the services CETA, but maybe mis- they may also be able to do uh, the WRC to could also get people on the new venture creation learnership. And I think that teaches the kids how to run a business, put a business plan together and so on and so forth. But having said that, you know, there's a lot of people in South Africa that are academic and they go and study and they just don't find jobs. I mean, SAGDA for one of the organizations in question has three, 400,000 graduates unemployed. So there, I mean, the answer to just go and get studies go to um, Tibet colleges and get a diploma or a degree, it doesn't transfer into employment. So um, the new venture creation learnership could be something to you can go on, but we need to have a pull through. I mean, we've got a, a plan, and I think Sean will elaborate further, on how we can get entrepreneurs into the sector. And I'll just, I'll just pass on to Sean, but, you know, even when they do join as entrepreneurs, um, they can then still also go and, and do their um, new venture creation learnership. But we have an idea um, in terms of building entrepreneurs in the sector, and I'd like to hand over to Sean just to elaborate further on that. 
Yeah, I think it's all about sustainability. Um, the opportunities are out there. Uh, the single biggest problem and challenge is always funding and how do you fund this and, and how do you make it sustainable. So we've got a couple of projects that we're really busy with that has been presented to certain sectors within our industry. So we represent about 50-odd suppliers and uh, they're very keen to put their products in baskets. And, uh, you know, we're already in conversation with some of the retail sectors to set up an, an entrepreneur store with, with, within their stores. And um, so, so the, the opportunities are there. You know, these kids are going and they're studying and they're studying how to, do an to be an entrepreneur, but there's no end goal. So, so there's nothing else... You know, once they've qualified and they've got their, their qualification, so what is there out there other than for themselves to go source um, um, opportunities? So, so we are looking at a couple of opportunities that we can put those programs together for these youngsters um, and, 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 and keep them under our wing to make sure that from a, from a business aspect and a, and a continu continuity aspect that, uh, you know, they manage those, those little business units. So, uh, you know, and, and that automatically creates more work within that entrepreneur's um, little business. And um, uh, the ones we've put together is very sustainable, but there's a funding aspect to that as well. Mm, absolutely. So definitely you're having a more sustainable approach, but what I can gather is your emphasis on the importance of getting them into the stores, starting to work because that experience at exactly. the end of the day is very valuable, especially in the beginning of the career. I mean, from my experience, obviously working in academia, your degrees, etc., you know, they, they alter the way you think, the way you question the world. Um, it definitely broadens your perspective. But at the end of the day, your the benefit really comes in with the higher degrees later on, bigger positions. And there's always that opportunity to study further um, yes. later on in one's um, career. And I think that's something that retailers should also support is further studies when people get to a certain stage. Can you share some of your really nice success stories that you've had with the youth? Yeah, so we, we, we go back uh, about 20 odd years when CETAs started. And uh, there's a lot uh, of, of success stories. And the whole thing is, is to pass those opportunities on and uh, those youngsters taking, taking those opportunities. And, and that's those feathers in the cap that makes us worth. Um, we got a youngster that, uh, that is currently with one of the blue chip companies that came through our ranks, started as a merchandiser 20 odd years ago. I don't want to mention the name and the company. Um, um, he started as a merchandiser, he earned 970 bucks. Uh, that was his starting salary. And he worked through the ranks and he sat it out, he uh, showed education, he showed passion, and he heads up a blue chip company in Gauteng, which is most probably about an 8 billion rand business. And he's, he heads it up. And under him, he's got about five or six of the, the guys that followed him, also in that business running running those those companies. And we can continue on with these. And uh, we got Kubani out in Limpopo, started as a temp uh, two years ago. And, and he's a field sales manager today. Bought his first car uh, ever um, uh, a month ago. And, you know, those are the successes and those are the... I think the the energy and, and the feel for our spirit um, because it is hard work and it is just keeping at it. And when you see those successes come through, you know that makes it makes the the hard work worthwhile. Um, you know um, we've just started with a program now with about eighty two youngsters, and uh, the guy started three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and three or four of them already out of the program. They already found 
uh, other jobs within the sector. And, and I think, you know, as painful as it is, they've, they've fallen out for us. But they now are fully employed within the first month into, other, in, into the sector. And, and that's heartening because you're rubbing shoulders with the industry. You're rubbing shoulders with the big corporate companies. And, and that's what it is. You're giving these kids an opportunity. You've taken them out of the, um, where they are and you've put them into the, the, the retail industry. And if they're smart and if they shop, they get scooped up very quickly. And, and I think that's what we're trying to do is create that platform for these kids. Yeah, that's another recurring theme that came out from Manfred's conversation is just if you're enthusiastic, if you're dedicated, if you do what you have to do to stand out, you know, there's a saying, you can't keep a good man down. So (laughs) I think that's what it comes down to. I think the the key to this is, you know, I can't walk, walk the journey for anybody. They need to walk their own journey. And when they're given the opportunity and as much as it is tough and it's not, and you may say I prefer to sleep in till 11 o'clock in the morning on a winter's day, that's not going to cut it. You're going to have to get up at six because success is, is dedication. To be successful, you have to be different. To be successful, you have to stand out. And in this industry, it's very simple. You will be noticed if you are amazing or you are a, a, a superstar. And you'll also be noticed if you're a disaster. So, you know, the two ends of the bell curve, if you're a disaster, it's also a star in some way, so that you'll be, you will know, we'll notice you. And if you're a superstar, you'll be noticed as well. And I think you need to stay on the other, on the, on the latter, because if you are a superstar, you almost become indispensable in a sense that you've built those relationships in the stores. The store manager really, really enjoys what you're doing because you're adding value to not only our products, but the store in general. You have a positive self-esteem, so you, your magic is, being, is contagious across the team. Those people always are successful. I mean, if you, just stay, if you stay committed, you are diligent, you persevere, tough it out, and share the magic of your, your magic, you, you will definitely be taken up and continue. You'll never, there's no need to be unemployed. I think this mindset of saying, well, I'm, um, it's tough and I need to get something better, make the best of what you've got. And in that way, it's, life goes by quickly, but it takes a long time. And I think the youth of today, they will move from one company to another for an extra 100 or 200 rand. That builds a poor resume. Stay in the game. Show the, 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 the system that you are committed to finish what you start. And you can stay there for three to five years. Now, that language for a millennial, five years is like, are you kidding me? It's too, it takes too long. But the system requires you to get some dust on your shoes. The system requires you to, to prove that you deserve to go further. It's not automatic. And the fundamental for the youth is the system owes you nothing. Nobody owes you anything. If you get away from that dependency or that entitlement mentality, you can make a huge success of your life because the opportunities are amazing. They're abundant. They're waiting on every corner. So for the youth, get the mindset that you can make it happen. Be positive. Make sure that you have a mindset of a winner, not a victim. And, I mean, you can do amazing things in this country. We're waiting for those youth. And the youth is a very broad term. It's from 18 to 35 or 38 years old. And we don't want to undermine the 35-year-old that's never worked. 
they bring to the party huge experience. They're normally parents, which means they've got capacity to manage those kids and they've learned the skills as a parent. And that's the stuff we want to bring into an organization. We must not discount that. So, you know, even if you are listening and you're 35 years old and never worked before, you do have skills that you can add to the organization because you've got supervisory skills, because you've managed your children, you've taken them to school, you've battled to find income to get to pay your, uh, your rent and, and school fees. Those skills are critical to in, for any business because you have dust on your shoes. So, you know, we want to bring in people that are committed, that are that have the capacity to say, I see a long game, and I can't walk in their shoes. They need to make the decision to be committed. Thanks for that. Sandile. Grant, just going back to um, youth unemployment, I just wanted to find out how do we break the cycle of having youth move from internship to internship to learnership to learnership, because most employers probably see that as cheap labor and disposable labor in some sense. So how do we break the cycle of actually getting those learners and that youth to be absorbed? Yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean it's, a, it's a difficult one because especially over this very tough time, we just step back just a little. Batu Pile really started in 2019 in March, so we haven't even broken three years. However, Sean has been in the industry for 40 years. This time is very difficult with COVID because COVID, notwithstanding the, the virus, but the impact on business, over these last two, three years or 560 days, whatever our lockdown has been, it, the target is moving so much. One minute you've been able to do this and then things change in the market and the, the government bans the selling of alcohol or selling of cigarettes or whatever. And the consumers become very cautious and that impacts on business. Um, so today's times, if you take on 80 people, 100 people, you can say, I want, my intention is to keep them in after the program. Those that finish will employ, but something can flip at you and the income's not available to do that. If you go back to our history, which is Sean's mainly and mine in support, everybody that came through the program were employed, 100% of them. That was in a more stable economy, so you can predict the future. Today, it's a little more, bit trickier. Companies are battling to survive. So we're in a very, very turbulent time in relation to guaranteeing employment at the end of the period. Suffice to say, the CETA has also changed the rules in terms of taking on learnerships and internships. About 10, 15 years ago, when the economies were stable, the CETA said you had to bring on anybody you take on learnership, because in those days they weren't having graduate internships and those things, they were just having learnerships. One of the, the requirements for any employer to take on any learners was that you employ 90% of them. That was a prerequisite, it was agreed, and that's what we did. We employed 100% of them. Nowadays, when things are a little bit more tricky, a few years later, they went to a 70% employment. And I was, you know, we, I had my concerns about dropping the standard to 70%. Um, but notwithstanding, it happened. And now the environment is so unstable that, you know, it's really been left to the employer to, to see if they can absorb some of those people. However, giving a person a one year or an 18 month experience is way better than them sitting at home. So there's a bit of a, a kudo there. 
But the objective for any organization in a, taking a program is that they need to take them on full time. But as I've said, thanks for your question, it's a, there's a little bit of instability in the market at the moment. So companies, first and foremost, need to survive. And secondly, those people that have done a fantastic job, it's very unlikely that they'll be released because they're adding value to the organization. A lot of the, the youth that come in, and I think they've all experienced two or three programs, so they tend to feel that they are being abused a little because they can't settle down in an organization for three to five years. They may also say, well, I'm only here for a year, so I, mean, I don't really give it my all. So, you know, there's two sides of the coin. We are a growing company. We, do, we will be taking on people that finish the program and take them on permanently. We require that for our business, but I can't talk on behalf of, of any other organization. But it is a, a tough question. Thank you for that question. And I think as soon as we get stability in the market so we can predict, pre better predict incomes, we can make those decisions to absorb the youth. Can I just add, add to that? Um, and, it's, and it's about consolidating everybody's effort. So we deal um, through Consumer Goods Council. You know, anybody that has to go into a store must get, get credited through them. You get a card. And we should start working through with them where programs are completed and there are people in those programs that, that, that are not being employed. There should be a database where industry can draw off. And because each one sits in his own ring, and talks about his own, we don't have a consolidated effort. So what happens with all the, the hundreds of learners that, that weren't taken up, that should go into a pot under whoever it is, and industry must understand that's where we draw. You're drawing people with experience, you're drawing people with channel experience, um, so the opportunities are there, and we've already had uh, discussions on that. Um, so we also see that as a, as, a, as a bit of a loop because you don't want to spend a year training and developing a, a staff or a learner and you don't take them up on that offer. So for the last 20 years, touch wood, we've had a full 100% take-on rate um, and we don't want to have kids coming in and you don't employ them afterwards. We've got a program finishing up next month or end of this month and we've got a 60% uptake employment on those, on those groups as well. Yeah, and also, um, you know, better tracking systems in place. Um, I really like your suggestion of um, consolidating um, everything. So <clears throat> I've made a summary of our discussion. So there's a few lessons here for both the youth as well as the retailers. So for the youth, you need to persevere. You need to be patient. <laughs> there is a lot of opportunity to grow in retail. We need to communicate this better. What are the career opportunities, structures, how you can grow. We need to improve your communication about that. Work hard, take initiative, always do more. Have a contagious passion no matter what you do. <laughs> Make the best of what you've got. Don't be scared to get uh, some dust on your shoes. And then lastly, for the retail sector, let's integrate efforts. Let's use something like the Consumer Goods Council where We've got a lot of retailers belonging to. Let's integrate this. Let's get good tracking systems in place and let's actually monitor um, and make a difference. So, um, Grant and Sean, what an enlightening discussion. Thank you very much for joining us today. And, of course, for our listeners, stay tuned as we bring you more robust conversations geared towards advancing the retail industry. Thanks. Thank you, Thank you very much. much. Thank you. Thank you.
You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.